Far over <laughs> the misty mountains old. <laughs> Welcome to the Hardcover Hooligans podcast. My name is Mac. As always, I am with Danilo. Danilo, I have a question for you. Ask away, Mac. Uh, without looking it up, can you name all the dwarves? Oh, damn. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. <laughs> Thorin. Yep. Philly. Yep. Killy. Yep. Bomber. Uh, that's all I got. And then a uh, bunch of more. Then they all. Then they all rhyme. And then that's I'm done. True. <laughs> that's true. That's true. There are fourteen is their company to make uh, uh-huh. Bilbo Baggins the lucky number, meaning that they don't have to leave us thirteen, folks. The the more uh, uh, keen-eared of you, elfin-eared of you, may have noticed <laughs> <laughs> we are talking about The Hobbit or There and Back Again by J.R.R. Tolkien. Now, Danilo, I am mm-hmm. very familiar with this this world and this uh, this this uh, this fiction. What is your relationship to to Mister Tolkien? Well, um, I've seen the movies. And I was aware of them from a young age, and I watched them, and I enjoyed them. In my mind, they were always like adult movies. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and growing up in a Catholic school, there were a lot of Catholic nerds who were really into Lord of the Rings. Hmm. I think that stems from, you know, Tolkien being very Catholic. Sort of, it. I think the, like the intense Catholic families, like it was okay because i see so he they, was yeah. catholic yeah but i mean I, those movies aren't those movies are very catholic <laughs> they're, they're, I mean... chopping their head, they're chopping heads <laughs> off and fucking people up uh is more they're more into lord of the rings than um uh the chronicles of narnia i think chronic i think more chronicles of narnia is more like of elementary school thing and then i think oh, people sure. grow out of chronicles of narnia and then move into lord of the rings that was my yeah. read as someone who was never, who was aware of them and generally liked them, but not a huge nerd of them. That was my, right. that's my read on it. Right. Well, you know, The Hobbit by one uh, J.R.R. Tolkien uh, released September 21st, 1937. So post-World War One, pre-World War Two, for all your, you uh, history buffs out there. Chronicles the Adventures of One Bilbo Baggins and His is- Journey I'm sorry, which oh, is a crazy long time ago, if you think. <laughs> like, yeah, I had to, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, almost a hundred, almost a hundred years ago. Yeah, that's wild. Which it doesn't feel like it. I mean, reading this book feels pretty modern, or or like um, or like timeless almost. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Well, listen, I mean, this is uh, I don't know how much background I can, you know. We could spend all day talking about the history and publication of this book, but you mm-hmm. are, I mean, everybody. Everybody knows. At least everybody's seen the Tolkien movie that came out in 2015 or whatever. There's a short guy and he has a ring. I mean, what else do you need to know? Come on. Well, I suppose we should uh, just jump right in. And uh, what better way to begin a book uh, than talking about a book is than with the beginning? (laughs) (laughs) Now we, I mean, did Mac? Did you? We talked about this. Did you write a little summary? Oh, I did. I did. Yes, I I do have mine here. it, It is very short. Um, oh, mine is but, uh, fairly long, but oh. also kind of like facetious. So that might be, it's kind of fun. <laughs> I don't well, know. Well, I'll let you, I'll let you go first. Cause no, mine you is should only... go, you should go okay. first. 
Uh, I, I've written here, the primary lesson I learned from The Hobbit is this. Always be honest when giving someone a riddle. If you don't, the devil will find where you live and frustrate your neighbors with questions. <laughs> Which does, you know, that happens late in a different book, but it all it all comes from being dishonest during a riddle game, if you get down to it. Mm-hmm. I've, I have a fr- pretty long, I feel like it's pretty thorough. Oh, good, yeah. Uh, 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 summary. In the faraway land of England, Bilbo Baggins, a member of the wealthy landed gentry, is struggling with a mental illness that runs in his family. This mental illness leads him to think about maybe one day leaving town. One day, an old man and 13 trust fund frat bros come up and exploit Bilbo's mental illness and drag him into their scheme to get a bunch of their dad's money back. These frat bros have no plan and no skills. They start off on their road trip where at every turn they are saved by either an old man or when the old man isn't there, by Bilbo. There's a couple of vanilla D&D encounters with goblins, druids, and spiders, (laughs) some elves, and some humans. During this journey, Bilbo steals a piece of jewelry from a homeless man by tricking him with wordplay. (laughs) Against the odds, these frat bros get to their dad's cache and find out a dragon is guarding it. They don't know what to do about that, since they had not thought this far ahead. Luckily, the dragon flies away and gets killed by some other people. So it turns out it was good they didn't stress out too much about it. (laughs) Now they have their dad's money, but it turns out that the people who killed the dragon want some too. The frat bros think this is dumb because finders keepers. Then all the goblins of the world show up, and everyone hates goblins, so they all do a quick goblin genocide and decide that, huh, we all work together pretty well, actually. Let's be friends. And then everyone gets along, and Bilbo goes back to England to live happily ever after. It's true. It's true. I gotta tell you, Danilo, that's pretty spot on. Thinking of the dwarves as as frat bros is pretty funny. It's they're pretty rude. They're pretty rude right off the right off the jump to Bilbo. And I could, there was at some point I'm like, they've they've not done anything and have no plan. Yeah, they don't. They don't have a plan. Um, all right. Well, that was lovely. <laughs> so let's let's you know let's start at the beginning. We've got our our main character, one Bilbo Baggins, who lives in. A comfortable hole at Bag End. Uh, Danilo, would you like to describe what a hobbit hole is for those who maybe have no idea what the hell any of this means? Yeah, well, it's, um, you know, it's not like a regular hole in the ground no. with worms and grubs and dirt. <laughs> no. no, of course it's not. A, it's a nice house built into a hill. Yeah. 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 With a big with green round door. Walls, big green door with a knob in the middle. It looks very, it feels very comfy and homely and there's always yeah. food. And always comfort, and no one has to do anything unpleasant. But one day, unfortunately, Bilbo Baggins, uh, just just eating, drinking tea, or yeah, dreaming of eggs and bacon, or whatever it is hobbits do. Uh, there's a rap at the door, and a and an old creep is there, and his name is Gandalf. And you know, you may be familiar with Gandalf when you were a child. You may have mixed up Gandalf and Dumbledore wrong, uh, uh, which is wrong, wrong because wrong, 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 because <laughs> one of them is way cooler. Uh, um, and Gandalf. <laughs> Uh, essentially shows up and is like, do you want to do gig labor for uh, money I'll give you later? And uh, Bilbo says no way and he shuts the door. Yeah, just for fun. You might die. What you've got to know is, you know, uh, hobbits aren't, they don't, they don't ever leave the the Shire. They don't leave, well, Hobbiton in this case, but they don't ever leave, like, they're, people don't know what hobbits are because they don't ever leave. Yeah, they're like super, they're like, they're just chill all the time. 
They never want to do anything. They just want to, like, eat food and relax. Which is, I mean, intimately relatable. I love it. <laughs> so the next day, uh, you know, Bilbo uh, wakes up to a knock at the door, and it's uh, not uh, Gandalf. It's uh, 13 consecutive weirdos who <laughs> just sort of come into his house and start eating all his food and demanding... Uh, 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 demanding a certain like beer, like he's prepared coffee for one person, and now he has to get all the beer and wine out of his cellar, and <laughs> very frustrating. Something I hope that none of us will ever have to experience mm-hmm. in our lifetime. I don't uh, have enough but food we meet... for thirteen people in my house. No, so no. But we meet uh, we meet thirteen dwarves, and none of them are imp- are important except for <laughs> one. Uh, Thorin Oakenshield. I would argue that too. Well, Thor is no. Thorin was the leader, and Bomber who was oh. fat. Oh yes, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Those are Bomber's only two fat. you need to differentiate. Yeah, and Balin. He's like, uh, uh. Well, I guess all, you you also need to know Feely and Killy because they die at the end. Spoiler. Right, alert. Yeah. <laughs> well, and Balin like becomes Bilbo's friend. It's crazy you can go on an adventure across the world and. <laughs> At every turn, the dwarf's kind of like, okay, like, why, what's this guy doing here? He's like, you invited me. <laughs> they keep doing it. Well, they've done it under false pretenses. I mean, Gandalf has told the dwarves, uh, uh, Thorin, uh, uh, son of Thrain, son of Thror, yada, yada, yada. King of the Mountain. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> um, has been lied to by a wizard for no reason other than Gandalf... <laughs> Like, wants to be, like, mischievous? Gandalf's bored, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Which, okay, so he, I didn't know, or I I guess I didn't put together that, like, Gandalf explicitly lied to them about the (laughs) quest. Wait, what did did he say? I always thought he's like, he's like, he's a, I I mean, lied about Bilbo. He's like, he's a great burglar. Like, and he's gonna do it. And it's just like, Bilbo's never left his house ever. Like, he's not a good burglar. What what if I got this total loser to go with them? Would that be funny? Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, they, they're sitting around, uh, eating eating food and singing a funny song about the dishes and when it gets mm-hmm. down to brass tacks you know the plan is that these dwarves uh well thorin is the rightful king under the mountain of uh 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 the lonely mountain uh uh erebor uh and it's called um, erebor it's not ever mentioned in this no it's no it's not okay uh it's not mentioned in the in the book but hang on let me let me just make sure i'm right about that yeah that's the lonely mountain is erebor they don't ever say erebor they say esgaroth which is the original name of lake town right i picked up on that uh but no erebor i think is mentioned in um in uh um uh the next one (laughs) fellowship (laughs) fellowship of the ring (laughs) Uh, the Lonely Mountain. Anyway, the, he's the rightful king. A dragon. Uh, I don't think the dragon gets name dropped yet, but it's Smaug. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's his name. Came and ate everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and claimed all the gold in the mountain for themselves. So the grand plan is that they're going to they're gonna burgle all of the gold out of the mountain? I think they haven't even thought. They get there and they're like, now what? Right. Well, they need a burglar. So, like, the plan has to be that they're going to steal all the gold back. Like, that's the only (laughs) way it makes sense in my head. But one guy, we're going to take one guy to steal all the gold back. Yeah, I don't know. 
like, uh, and, you know, to Bilbo's credit, he's not, he doesn't go along with this ruse. He's very, he's like, I'm no burglar. I just live here. Uh, I just work here, man. <laughs> but you Gandalf's like, food. no. I mean, yeah. Gandalf's can you, can, like, no, can no. I get paid back for this? Is like, if you walk with us to the Mountain of the Dragon, you can get all the money you want. <laughs> yeah, they get one, he'll get one fourteenth share of a mystery amount of money, which, you know, dwar- dwarves, mine presumably they'd have a lot of gold but we don't know this for sure you know mm-hmm. thorn could be lying all he has is a key and they'll cover all of bilbo's funeral expenses in the event that's that true he i did forget away. about that <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty funny but also like there's th- that's a lie <laughs> they're not carting his corpse all the way back to the shire yeah they're burying they barely care they barely cared about bomber one of like their own <laughs> dwarves if 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 Bilbo like disappeared and was dead, they would have been like, oh well. Uh, but you know, this is all like uh, Gandalf is like, no, there's more to him than you think, and you got to remember, it's a children's book. It's like you can be. Yeah. It's like if if Bilbo Baggins could do it, you child can also <laughs> be like a hero in your everyday life. Like there's more to yeah. you than meets the eye too, which I think is really, especially by the end of this book, is a really powerful uh, message. Uh, and I think it's effective because I think Bilbo is Bilbo is never not scared. He's just like, I just got to get over it. <laughs> yeah, he like, gonna figure, he's it. like, I, I have to do this. I have to figure it out and I'm going to be brave and do it, you know, yeah. and then he does it and it's good. Right. Uh, Danilo, do you have anything else to say about uh, uh, a, 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 an unexpected party? I was a little stressed out for Bilbo, I'll be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. read this before and I was like, man, poor Bilbo. If only he knew. He's got no clue what's coming. <laughs> you know what's funny though, in in uh and we could talk more about this at the end when we've covered everything, but it's it's pretty funny to think like the the scale of this adventure versus the scale of the adventure that J.R.R. Tolkien writes next. Mm-hmm. I it's been described i saw this like there's this tweet viral tweet it's something to the effect of like the Ho- the hobbit is like stuart little but if eb white then wrote a book about uh how stuart little's nephew tried to kill the devil <laughs> <laughs> which is i mean that is true i love i've seen that before and that's i, I was thinking about that the whole time yeah. reading this <laughs> yeah uh so so uh through through one reason or another, coercion, let's say, and and uh, and the tookish part of Bilbo Baggins' imagination, mm-hmm. he does decide to go with them, um, which leads them. They kind of like wander around in the woods, and like Gandalf disappears, and then Gandalf's back, and it's a it's a D and D campaign. <laughs> yeah, it is. So this is a travel episode until they get to their first encounter, which is of course with Bill, Bert, and Tom. <laughs> I love these guys. <laughs> oh yeah, these are these are three goofy guys. Uh, do, well, Danilo, do you want to explain? You know, I just said the names, but yeah, Bill, Bert, <laughs> and Tom, <laughs> the trolls, and right. they run into these trolls, and uh, Bilbo almost gets eaten, but Gandalf <laughs> shows up and just talks to them all night long until the sun goes up and all the trolls turn to stone, and then they rob the trolls. And get some badass swords. Yeah, they do. Is that a? Do you know? Is that like a? Is uh, is that like an English folklore thing that trolls turn to stone? I. It must be. I kept one of the things I kept trying to keep in mind the whole time reading this was like the, the oh, this is where it all comes from. 
sort yeah. of thing. Like this is where we have the stereotypes of dwarves like rocks and mine and like the elves live in the woods and like all that stuff, which is yeah. kind of blows your mind to think about where you're reading it and it feels so stereotypical, but remembering, oh, this is like where the stereotypes come from. <laughs> Right, like the uh, the specificity of the stereotypes, right? Because yeah. it's like it's like obvi- in like English folklore, they had like the fairies who would like live in the forest, but it's like mm-hmm. no these e- these like tall regal elves who like yeah, there was uh, no like cohesive like right yeah, oh, everyone talked about elves <laughs> the same way or everyone talked about dwarves the same way and they all like treasure you know yeah yeah which I think is it, that is yeah there's a lot of stereotypical stuff in this but it's I mean or it's, the goblins you know, yeah. Yeah, the goblins especially, um, but they find uh, they find some classic uh, uh, swords out of these trolls. Uh, uh, Gandalf's uh, famous sword, Glamdring, Thorin Oakenshield's famous sword, Orchrist, and mm-hmm. Bilbo Baggins gets a little short sword that I forgot. Um, I can't believe I forgot this is not name. He names that sword. I did not. I always yeah, and he, he, he names it head, later. Yeah, he names it later. In my head, it was always Gandalf gave it to him and is like, and this one is called Sting. <laughs> but no, that's <laughs> because not it happened. stings the goblins. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and Orchrist is called Orchrist because it Orchrists the goblins. <laughs> and Glamdring is called Glamdring because <laughs> it Glamdrings the goblins. You've been, you've been Glamdring, bro. <laughs> <laughs> that's his classic line. Gandalf keeps saying in this book. Um, so this is, uh, we go. To, we're eventually in Rivendell now. Um, they're really cooking, you know. It took Frodo fucking forever to get to Rivendell. It took Bilbo twenty-five pages to get to Rivendell. <laughs> so they get to Rivendell, the the first uh, homely house of the, or no, the the the. Oh my god, that's embarrassing. The, the first last homely uh, house. Or is it no, first... that's it. On the way back, they call it the last one because it's the what? Wait, but yeah, it's because... the same place. Yeah, but they call Bilbo jokingly is like it's the last one because it's the last one we've seen on our way from. Oh, uh, I didn't get that was a joke. I thought they were like it's called both. I no, was confused. No. Uh, here, actually, let me just make sure this book is for real fucking nerds, huh? <laughs> oh no, sorry, I was messed up. The it is the last homely house, but he's like, or oh, it's the first one because it's the first <laughs> one. It's like whatever, I've funny seen. stuff, right? Exactly. <laughs> Um, it's funny because anyway. it's like sort of like kid humor almost, right, yeah. and like there's all this like <laughs> stuff that's inserted. Like it's not written like a mod; it's written like a fairy tale that like your grandpa yeah. is telling you. Whereas where it's like they they went from the goblins to the wargs, and they're like, and and the narrator's like, and that's how uh, the phrase. It, out of the frying pan into the fire came to be. It's just like a right. like okay, <laughs> yeah. Because the whole book is framed. The there is like a first person narrator, and is like mm-hmm. I won't tell you anymore about that. And like that's not how the Lord of the Rings is written, but it mm-hmm. is how the Hobbit is written. And I love, I fucking love it. Like I yeah, can't get great. enough of it. Well, it super works in in a in. In, in it's not too much you know no no and it definitely and could not... be it could be like cringe in like a modern uh-huh. day read lens of viewing this but i don't think it is at all and i want to talk about the end just like the the style in general yeah 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 oh that, oh me too um so uh we get to rivendell where we meet uh elrond uh 
who is a you know big famous elf uh becomes a, more of a character that in the following trilogy of novels than this one but he he you know they they hang out at Elrond's Airbnb and they they fuel <laughs> up and they and they get ready to go and cross the Misty Mountains. And they, and they have they sh- to, you know, take off all their sheets and, you know, take out the trash. Of course. And, of course. Right. Yep. <laughs> yeah, they got to do it. Then they're, they're constantly checking, like... And... Right. Well, they got to check, like, a te- there's, like, a teddy bear in a weird spot. And they're, like, ripping it apart <laughs> looking for, like, a camera in there. And they're like, this can't. This feels <laughs> fucked up. Uh, so they find shelter in a cave of the Misty Mountains during a snowstorm when they all get captured by goblins. Danilo, would mm-hmm. you like to talk about the goblin the goblin king and the their adventures through the the cave yeah sure so uh uh bilbo and i almost called him hobbit hobbit and friends so bilbo uh and his friends get captured by the goblins but because bilbo screamed uh gandalf like woke up early and he did not get captured and so they all get captured by the goblins who are all evil and um are i believe this is a quote uh invented all the machines that today now give us so much trouble (laughs) (laughs) so you heard it here first folks goblins invented cars that's why the world sucks no no walkable cities because (laughs) because of goblins Um, but yeah, so they get captured by the goblins and then they get taken to the goblin king who is a evil goblin. And then Gandalf like turns out all the lights and they escape. Yeah. Right. And the, yeah, but the importantly, uh, Gandalf kills the goblin king. Oh yes. Gandalf kills the goblin king. Um, but yeah, they escape or at least they're trying to escape when Bilbo Baggins, uh, clumsily f- it falls down a huge hole. I I I can never remember exactly. Uh, uh, I think it's like he gets happens. left behind in the dark, right? <gasps> oh, that's right. Yeah, he gets left behind and w- ends up wandering into this uh, scary zone, <laughs> into a fear zone, <laughs> and he finds uh, he finds an inconspicuous golden ring, which in in the pitch darkness. Yeah, which is is. One of the one of the most famous literary retcons is the importance of <laughs> this uh, this ring, because uh, you know when you, when when you, when thinking about it in the realm of this being a children's book that's just the Hobbit, it's like oh of course he found a magic ring that he can turn invisible, but with later knowledge, it's the ring wanted to be found and so like positioned yep. itself in a way that it knew that this person it could try to manipulate. Uh, would have it and you know um it's the one ring they don't ever say that in this book but that is what it is well and now this was not i looked up the publication and like the edition history of these books and J.R. tolkien is no brandon sanderson this was not planned <laughs> no it the was first not time planned. he went back and was like i'm gonna change this chapter so it works with this insane other book i'm writing <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it, it, he did have to go back and, and change some stuff, but here we meet Gollum, and I gotta tell you, uh, this, the riddle game between Gollum and Bilbo has gotta be one of my favorite things in any book uh, ever, personally, for me. I wish I could, like, read it for the first time. I think it's very cool. Yeah, it's so cool, and it's so scary still. The way Gollum is encountered is, 
is Gollum is like oh, he, sc- it's like the scariest thing in the book and he's so oh like God, I don't know if it's far. a function of like the rewrite but it's all of a sudden like oh this is like real now like this is a real scary yeah. guy <laughs> yeah it does feel it does feel like the beginnings of what would become like okay so we'll talk about this more when we're gonna uh, spoiler alert for the podcast we're gonna read Fellowship of the Ring next after this but the beginning of Fellowship of the Ring sort of feels like the Hobbit 1.5 it, it like the way it's hmm. written and it feels like very childish and then when like the character of Aragorn is introduced suddenly like I don't know if J.R.R. Tolkien felt like he found like a mature like voice to be able to tell this hmm. story through but it like the tone changes pretty drastically oh, into being like a, an adult pe- or a piece of adult uh, fiction and the um, the Gollum part of this book feels sort of like that. Like, it does not feel... Like, I did read this when I was a kid and was really scared of hmm. Gollum and, and this part. I had already seen the the Lord of the Rings movies, obviously, before I had read The Hobbit. Um, uh, but, so I had... I, ha- I could, like, picture it. It wasn't, like, as amalgus in my head of being just, like, this creepy little crawly. I, I had, like, a face and a voice to attribute to it but we even with Andy that Serkis. I was still scared of course of course the, the greatest of all time but yeah I mean this this riddle game is great um and ends in in just the most bullshit cheater way you could ever end anything ever <laughs> Gollum should have ripped off Bilbo Baggins's head for the question that Bilbo well, asked and then, and then Bilbo like makes like he the narrator talks about how, like, this is the ancient riddle game, and the rules yeah. are very strict, And but technically what Bilbo did wasn't against the rules of the ancient riddle game. Yeah, it's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, he, he cheats by, instead of giving a riddle, because he couldn't think of one, he just says, hey, what's in my pocket? You have three yeah. guesses. Well, he doesn't even say that. He's like, what's in my pocket? And Gollum's like, bro, I have to have more than one guess. And he's like, all right, fine, you get three. <laughs> Yeah, Gollum agrees. He's like, fine, <laughs> fine. Because the the what's on the line is uh, if Bil- Bilbo loses, Gollum's going to eat him. If Bilbo wins, Gollum will lead him out of the cave. But yeah. I, you know, guy like Ostensibly. me, I'm not. I would not trust Gollum from the rip to lead me out of this cave if I win the riddle. <laughs> if I beat him at something, he's going to be nice to me. I don't think so. Well, I don't know about you, but anytime I'm in a cave with like a creepy weirdo, I immediately trust him completely. Oh, yeah, and you start asking him riddles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Duh. And then we each have do. a fun little time, and then he leads me out and says, it was nice <laughs> knowing you. Yeah. And then I yeah, robbed him. <laughs> by accident. You didn't know you took <laughs> I robbed him by accident, but I also <laughs> don't give it back to him once I realize I've robbed him. And it's not just robbed him. You took his birthday present. <laughs> <laughs> you took the thing that brings him the most joy in the entire world. This, yeah. this poor guy who eats fish and lives in a cave with no clothes. <laughs> Uh, so, so, uh, so he says, what, what do I have in my pocket? And then, um, Gollum's like, loses, obviously, because that's an impossible question to answer. <laughs> um, he says, he says lint. Uh, Pokemon and Bilbo's, card. I know, <laughs> I know. Well, no, Gollum says lint and Bilbo's like, no, that's bullshit. There's definitely lint in there. <laughs> Just because that's not what you meant. Wasn't doesn't his mean. first guess like nothing? Yeah. Which is pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. No, sorry. Not lint. It's nothing. And then he's like, your hands. <laughs> and then he, like, and then and he takes pill- him out. He's like, no. <laughs> that's where if that's where if I were Gollum, I would uh, rip a Bilbo's head off. <laughs> <laughs> just eat his head. Uh, so so uh, Gollum goes. He's like, I'll lead you out. I just need to get one thing first, and then uh, Gollum. 
Callum goes to get his ring and then slowly starts to put it together when he finds it's gone. It's like, oh, what do you have in your pocket? And Bilbo's not answering him. And so he runs away and he trips and falls and the ring slips onto his finger and he disappears. He's invisible. He is invisible. Uh, This uh, is the most overpowered uh, literary device of all time. (laughs) (laughs) Like, for the burglar of the company who can't burgle for anything to find the thing that can make him invisible and the best at burgling ever. And it's the only thing that can make someone invisible, so no one in the world is even prepared to think about of looking for someone who might be invisible. Right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> It'd be yeah, different like than like D and D, where like, oh, you know, there's going to be some wizard who can cast invisibility, so we better keep an eye out for it. That no. does not exist in this world. No, the dragon's like, where is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always think that's funny that the dragon can't. It, it can smell him, but even smell <laughs> can't see. Just like I feel like a dragon would be able to see it, you know. And that's how we get true sight in D and D five e. That's true. That's a thousand percent right. Uh, so, so Bilbo has the ring and he, uh, he manages to escape all the goblins and he manages to to escape the cave and he hears the dwarves, uh, hanging out and being like, I think we should just leave. (laughs) And, and he sneaks through a little brush and he scares the fuck out of all of them. And they're all like, Bilbo, we were just on our way back to save you. God. That happens so many times. We're like, we gotta leave him behind. (laughs) He's kind of useless. Poor Bilbo. Uh. And uh, Gandalf, they're all asking questions, but um, Bilbo refrains from letting them know about the ring for now, Mm -hmm. which I don't know. I think that I I could be totally wrong about this, but that is part of it that is rewritten because really he doesn't tell them because if uh, he tells he's like, yeah, I found a magic ring that can make me invisible like Gandalf. Gandalf doesn't in the fellowship of the ring doesn't know he knows the power of the ring. Um, He doesn't know that like the one ring can do that but he's mm-hmm. a smart guy i feel like he'd be like what huh and then <laughs> later in the book when he does tell them about the ring gandalf's not around so i feel like yeah it works out that way because gandalf would have like even if he wasn't sure what it was like that's a crazy thing to just find like if he found if bilbo found a gun gandalf would be like <laughs> let's see what this is about <laughs> That is what it feels like. Like, in the context of the powers of this world, it does feel like Bilbo found a sniper. He was, like, hired as the assassin and had no powers and then found a high-powered rifle with a scope on it. Uh, So, they, you know, they escape. But they escape uh, from this... uh, And then right into uh, uh, a den of wargs, which are evil wolves. Um, and I did not know this, but in this book they have their own language and they talk to yeah. each other in the language. Whereas in the movies and in all portrayals, they're like just wolves or wolves and dogs and they're right, gross. Yeah. But oh, they're actually their gross. own like species, which yeah, I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, they're their own their own little society and they're all evil. Well, all the ones we see are evil. You know, I don't want, I don't know. It's heavily implied that there are everyone <laughs> anywhere in the world is evil. Uh, but thank God, because a bunch of magic eagles just swoop down and save, save all of our friends. Yep. Uh, now the eagles, Danilo. It's a hot topic. How, how come the eagles didn't just take the dwarves to Erebor? Uh, now that's because uh, eagles don't like rings oh <laughs> oh is that why <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, there is actually for all of the people. I think there is a reason. I was I was thinking is. you were saying, well, why didn't the Eagles take the ring to Mordor? Which is that's well, always it, the question. But it's for the same reason, which people who ask that question have never which read this book like, because there's a pretty definitive <laughs> answer as to they, why yeah, they say it. They're like. Because uh, there's a dragon and we don't want to die. <laughs> yeah, there's the dragon and, and it's just going to kill them all. And then they're like, if we fly over the domain of man, they're going to hunt us and kill us and eat us. Because <laughs> they're not like invincible. They're just big, smart eagles. Like if you yeah. shoot one in the head with a gun, it will die. <laughs> so yeah, you know, uh, and then they meet uh, a guy who can turn into a bear. <laughs> a druid. The first Maybe, druid, yeah, they meet a druid. A druid who likes his bees. Yeah, they get dropped off and there's like a funny little gag where... I do actually really like this part where. Danilo, <laughs> <laughs> please explain the the B- uh, Bayorn. Uh, so gag. Bjorn uh, is the big hairy man who can turn into a bear, and Gandalf sort of know they've never met, but like Gandalf knows of him, and they like don't want to make him angry. The fact that there's fourteen people who he. <laughs> Who they need to like come in and like, hey, can you um give us a bunch of stuff because we lost it all? Uh, so in order to make Bjorn not mad and turn into a bear and kill them all, Gandalf comes in with just him and Bilbo and one dwarf, and they start talking. And then throughout the course of the conversation, they like gradually increase the number of dwarves they're talking about. <laughs> So they're like, so Bjorn's like, oh, hey, you three, like, how did you come to be here? It's like, oh, well, you know, several of us came yeah. down to like, it's weird that you're calling three several. It's like, oh, we actually have uh, two more outside. Why don't you bring them in? And and they've got their timings wrong. So some of them are like appearing closer than originally <laughs> talked about. And he's like, you guys are probably standing pretty close to the door. How'd you get here so fast? <laughs> It's very good. And every time they're like telling their story and they're like, yeah, so, you know, you know, there was about 10 of us over here. like 10. That's a weird way to talk about seven of you. <laughs> and then, oh, that's right. There was, there's two more actually. And yeah. And, and then it's revealed that, uh, you know, Gandalf or Bilbo puts it together. Like Gandalf's actually really smart because he kept interrupting a story that Bjorn wanted to hear. And so, of mm-hmm. course, he's going to invite 14 of us in. And but they tell a, uh, Bjorn a very good story about their own adventures and Bjorn doesn't really believe them, but it's like, it's a good story. You can sleep here. And then yeah. in the middle of the night, he, like, travels the whole length of their journey to, like, corroborate their story. And he comes back. He's like, I like it better now that I know it's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, eventually they are, uh, Bjorn gives them some ponies and some food and some provisions and uh, sends them to... Mirkwood. Mm-hmm. And Gandalf's like, I I gotta take this phone call. I I really, <laughs> this is a really important thing I gotta do. And Dude. so he just leaves. And everyone's like, what sort of important stuff? And he's like, ah, don't worry about it. Which at the end uh, is revealed of what he was doing, which is uh, fighting the Necromancer, which mm-hmm. is Sauron. Uh, but he's regaining power under the guise of this, like, uh, this name, that, which is a terrible, a terrible disguised name. I, I would not, if I am an evil being trying to secretly <laughs> regain my power, I would not name myself the Necromancer. Name myself something evil? Yeah, I would be like Keith. <laughs> the Council of White does not have to convene to assassinate Keith. No, that's not happening. Because <laughs> no one would be pay, paying attention to Keith anyway. But if you name right. yourself something like the Necromancer, someone might come in, uh, maybe stop. 
Yeah. It's like if Hitler came back from the dead and tried to do it all over again. And he's like, my name is still Hitler. Like, let's get a, everyone, That guy would be dead in two minutes. Yeah. It's that his name is still Hitler and the, the, the area of Germany he's living in is becoming like more evil and dark. <laughs> like, I think I know what's happening. I think that's really him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the, all the countries get together. We know... We know what to do here. <laughs> We're not going to wait and see how this plays out. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. Um, okay, so, you know, we're in Mirkwood. Uh, everybody gets captured by giant scary spiders. Um, mm-hmm. Well, actually, that happens after... Um, so, imagine imagine you are on a college campus, and you see <laughs> okay. a sweet house party. Uh-huh. And as soon as you open the doors of the house party... All the lights go off and they come back on like a, a couple seconds later. There's nobody there at all. <laughs> These idiots, the dwarves and Bilbo, do that three times to fires that they see around uh, Mirkwood that are elves like partying and having a good time. And they just need food. Yeah, because they're um, like the starving in this forest because they ran out of... They're constantly running out of food. <laughs> they ran out of food. It's because they eat so much. And the, well, But then they had the bright idea of like, oh, let's climb to the top of the tree and see oh, how I far we have part. to go. And then Bilbo goes up there and is like, oh, it doesn't look like it's ever going to end. We're going to we're gonna be trapped. And the narrator's like, what Bilbo didn't know is there was just a curve in the rock, <laughs> yeah. and they were almost out, but he had no way of knowing that. Yeah, I forgot. I forgot about that part because, like, when I was a kid, I, I, I remember that part being so visually like striking of him like climbing and seeing like the whole forest and i completely yeah. forgot about the next part where it's like they're actually almost out Bilbo's a fucking idiot and he there's no way he could have uh <laughs> Bilbo wasn't tall enough that. but he was if he was tall enough he could have seen it uh so they climb down and bilbo he like sits down and then some sticky gets on his hand whoa and oh. then it's a it, it's a spider's web who was just like quietly <laughs> tying him up <laughs> and i guess bilbo didn't notice <laughs> but you know whatever <laughs> and the spider was like oh oh Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's not what it looks like. <laughs> hey, man, uh, another uh, group of creatures that have their own language. They have a conversation, the, these, mm-hmm. the creepy giant spiders. And Bilbo gouges one's eyes out, and, he, and then the spider's like, that really stings. And Bilbo's like, I like that. I'm keeping that. <laughs> and then Bilbo goes all out on these yeah, spiders. Holy he like... <laughs> At at no point in this book, even the final battle isn't as like g- gory as Bilbo hacking away at these spiders. He's like he gouges its eyes out and chops limbs off, and it's crazy. He's pissed off. They had his friends that don't like him that he also doesn't like, <laughs> so he had to save them. But he doesn't know where all the money is, so he needs them to. That's true. Take him there. That's true. He does, but he manages to save all of the all of the dwarves, um, which. The way that I think he saves Philly first, like he he fall he like cuts the rope out of him, and he's been like poisoned and uh and all fucked up, and he can like barely move. Like this is this is also a very scary part. And also, mm-hmm. there's two different times of these in this book where dwarves get packed into something small because J.R.R. Tolkien was like, "This is funny," <laughs> <laughs> and it does happen two times. <laughs> the second time being the. Uh... The barrels, which yes. we'll get to shortly. Which, yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty soon after this, because after uh, after they escape the spiders and all the dwarves are are together again, they instantly are surrounded by a bunch of uh, wood elves with bows and arrested. 
Except mm-hmm. before Bilbo could be arrested, he puts the ring on. So he doesn't get all chained up with them. So he's like creeping along and they're getting led to the 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 elf king's uh compound. Um Danilo, would you like to describe this whole next this next bit about sure, how sure. how do, how does Bilbo how how are our goofy guys going to get out of this one? <laughs> well, um the the elves capture all the dwarves and are going to hold on to them because the dwarves don't want to tell the elves that oh, we're after a bunch of money. <laughs> Because the elves would then be like, well, we're not going to let you. We're going to do it then. Right. Um, Which they do do at the end. <laughs> that is what happens. Yes, they Good do. Good thing they didn't tell them. <laughs> <laughs> but the dwarves are all trapped in their cells. And uh, Bilbo, because he, he doesn't know what to do. Uh, but because he's invisible and sort of scampering around this. They're like in like a cave system. It's not like the goblet. It's very like... <laughs> Gerard Tolkien's like, it's not like the Goblin's Cave. This one's a nice cave with good people <laughs> yeah. in it. And it's clean, and it's not dirty and filled with gooey goblins. But it's still like a cave, which I always thought was... It's like not like a colony built like in the trees. Like, that's yeah, what not... I feel like I would have done, but it's still like a yeah, weird cave. it's not cave. like ants in like no, burrowing no. it's like there's like halls and there's tables and there's a front there's yeah. a front I feel door like the dwarves and the elves could have it in common they these elves literally live underground in a cave and so do the dwarves but boy do they hate each other <laughs> yeah but the goblins do it wrong and they're dirty <laughs> and gotta kill them all uh but yeah bilbo because he's like wandering around uh he he finds there's like they have this barrel shipment system. It's the most convoluted <laughs> thing in the whole world. <laughs> Where there's like a river that uh, kind of goes under the cave. It's like starts outside and goes into the cave and then stays underground for a bit and then uh, goes outside again and goes down to like the, um, the where all the humans live, like in Lake Town and kind of over there and the, they like the the elves like pack their goods in these barrels they like get them from somewhere and they pack the goods in the barrels and they send them down the river to trade with the humans uh they just emptied a shipment and so bilbo's like i'm gonna free all the dwarves one at a time and stick them in these barrels and we're gonna escape and then they do that except <laughs> right at the end bilbo's like wait <laughs> I forgot to put myself in a barrel. <laughs> and then so he has to jump in the cold, wa- cold water. Um, and the the greatest uh, sequence in cinematic history occurs, right? Oh, my right? God. Dude, this has got to be the worst, maybe the worst, like, from from a page to screen. Like, like this is, I don't know, listener. I don't know if you've ever seen the set. The is it the first Hobbit movie? No, it's yeah, the second I think this, one. No, what happens in the first one because the first one goes all the way through Smaug. Like no, they the get first to one Smaug goes, in the No, no, no. The one. first one goes all the way through uh, the Goblin Cave. The second oh. one goes up to when he, when uh, Smaug leaves to go burn down Lake Town, and then the third one is. The bat is a two and a half hour movie about the Battle of the Five Armies. Well, listener, it doesn't really matter because those movies are bad <laughs> and no one likes them. Yeah, uh, you know this this whole uh, part with the Elf King and the elves, and I really like this part uh, of this book. I I always get this happens a few times throughout the the book. Is like characters keep 
losing track of how much time it really sounds like they've spent weeks in prison in the mm-hmm. the care of thronduil the elven king he's not named in the book but okay. and here we are <laughs> he is Tell named the- in the movie but he's not named in the mm. book it is thronduil yeah the elven king uh he's like a he he's very pompous you know it's funny nobody in this book nobody in charge of a group of people in this book is good is like a like because we meet the master of lake town who is like a dirty scumbag who just cares about himself mm-hmm. and the elfin king here is like um i guess he's like literally lawful good but he's still like a yeah, pompous a, asshole yeah and then as soon as Thor and Oakenshield gets any ounce of power, he becomes like a crazy <laughs> tyrant. <despot>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't, I feel like it's, it's, it does a very good job of being like, hey, the book is like, hey, maybe people who are in charge of stuff aren't always the good guy. Like, you don't always have to just think that they're right because they're in charge, which I, I do like that as a That, answer, that is message. interesting, I remember, because, like, I think the first person you meet is, like, Elrond, and, like, he seemed a lot nicer in oh my this God, book yeah. than he was in the movies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I remember being, I remember reading this the first time, and getting to the wood elves i'm like oh these are going to be like the other ones i'm like oh i kind of don't like these guys they're kind of assholes yeah they're yeah they are assholes this is also where in the movie legolas is introduced uh-huh. <laughs> uh lest we forget legolas is not in the book but he is At an all. important part of the movie uh also b- before just another book movie thing uh just very quickly very early in this book there's a line that's like the stone giants were throwing boulders at them and in the movie mm-hmm. that's like a whole like 15 minute part of the movie there's like a <laughs> sentence in the book that could be like a metaphor like i don't know if there's really stone giants throwing boulders but or like it whatever. felt like it or like yeah you know right. like in that fairy tale way where it's not literal and then yeah. in the movie peter jackson was like we gotta have them giant cgi just more cgi yeah which yeah teach their own i'm sure somebody out there likes the hobbit movies i think one of the hardest parts about rereading this book was to actively try to not think about the movies is to and to remember that like feely in the movie is like a hot stud remember that he's got like no No, beard That's yeah, like his whole... and, the, and there's a whole love story yeah. with him and a wood elf who like brings yeah. some food in the. Oh God. Yeah, there is actually. I thought it was funny that they chose Feely to be the love interest because there's a moment in this book where Feely loses his beard. Like, it, oh, it's because of the webs. He has to like cut it all off, so he <laughs> is like handsome and has stubble. And I was like, that's why they did it. <laughs> or it's like horribly torn and red and like bleeding no, because no, he he's ripped hot. the beard off. No way. Because, Mac, be I don't know if you know this, but if you rip your beard <laughs> off, it doesn't become stubble. <laughs> well, who told me that? Uh, Peter Jackson said that's what would happen. <laughs> I've, I've based every sexual encounter I've ever had, I've gotten it from a piece of Peter Jackson media. <laughs> Mortal Engines? <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> so, uh... <laughs> So yeah, the, the the you know they float down the barrel or they float down the 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 river in barrels and for like days. A, I don't like how yeah, long. It's a long like, time. It, it wasn't a, it's not a two second romp like in the movie. They get out no. and they're, they're like weak and starved. And Bilbo's like, I'm kind of I'm fine. I'm a little cold, but yeah, Bilbo's like fed up with it. He's like, Did you want to get out of there? or Didn't you? Now get the <laughs> fuck up and help me get everybody else out of these things. 
You've not not only have you all done nothing, but I have saved all thirteen of you on multiple occasions. Yep. <laughs> uh, so they get to they eventually get to Lake Town, uh, which is a te- which is you're never gonna believe this. It's a town on a lake. There's Whoa. one big old bridge. It's not next to a lake. It's literally it, it's on, on a lake. lake. And they they stroll in, and Thorne's like, "What's up, punks? I'm the <laughs> I'm the new king of everything." And everybody's like, "Hell yeah!" The the people of Lake Town w- would are so easily swayed by just <laughs> anybody with an ounce of charisma, and, 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 and they go from wild extremes. Like, we love Thorin, and then all it takes is for like somebody handsome to be like, "I don't like Thorin," and it's like, "Fuck you, Thorin Shield." It happens constantly at, at, in the last like fifty pages of this book, which I I kept thinking was pretty funny. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> sorry. Whoa. Oh, there we go. My uh, sorry, uh, listener, if. My voice is annoying you. I am sick. Okay, but much like Bilbo Baggins in this specific part of the book, we soldier on in the face of sickness. Mac was very brave and kept Thank on you. going. My stomach hurt. I threw up. <laughs> um, this is also Bilbo Baggins uh, issues his hilarious line, Thag you very much, <laughs> when he's sick. <laughs> It's hilarious. He's he's got a little cold from the river and says, thank you very much. He can hardly enjoy being put in a palatial estate and fed all the food he wants for weeks because he was a little sick. But yeah, you know, they're hanging out in town. They're getting the... They're getting the the A plus treatment, but the master of Lake Town is like, I don't really know about this. They might be lying. Uh, They're not lying, of course, as we know, but... Like, why are we feeding them all our food and spending a bunch wouldn't of money be, on them? And Wouldn't they be leaving to go to the mountain if they're really the dwarves from the mountain? <laughs> but eventually they do leave. And, of course, they're trying to find, uh, earlier in the book, the map uh, uh, that uh, Thorin Oakenshield has displays Erebor, the Lonely Mountain. And there's a secret entrance, because they can't very well walk through the front door. Well, this, a big was scary so, dragon. And this was so cool, I totally forgot about the... Like, back when they were in with Elrond, like, the moon writing. I yeah. thought that was really just a cool, random detail. <laughs> and they're like, oh, good good thing we looked at it today, because this is the only night that it would ever appear for the whole year. <laughs> yeah. They're like, the goblins are like, Phew. or the, the dwarves. <laughs> Thank goodness for that. Yeah, they, they really luck out with this whole, this entire bit. Like, they're just about <laughs> to give up uh, looking for the door when suddenly like the moon makes it open and I want I want I want to talk about this later about I read a little bit about um Tolkien's like philosophy of fairy stories and like what he thinks they should do cuz I think he gets a lot of flack I think in this book and also in Lord of the Rings like the eagles show up right in the nick of time and save them yeah and like like all of the um you you would say like in modern writing like coincidences or like them being very cheap he like put there on purpose like they're purposely like that because he has like a bigger philosophical point about like what fairy stories should do you know oh yeah 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 were you aware of that at all no, I've heard, I've not anything specific. I knew he had like a weird thing about fairy stories, but I didn't, uh, we could talk, we can get into that now if you, if you'd yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. He called it like, cause you know, I don't know if you know this listeners, but Tolkien was a big nerd. <laughs> <laughs> he taught college. He did. What a loot at Oxford, no less. At Oxford. 
and so he had like this conception of like things happen, like good things and bad things happening that I think it's called like EU catastrophe, EU and disc catastrophe, which is like a bad thing happening and having no redemptive qualities. And then a U catastrophe being like, oh, something randomly happens and it's good. And oh, I, okay. I came across I came across this quote um, from an essay he wrote, which I'll, I just want to read it out loud because I think it's interesting. The consolation of fairy stories, the joy of the happy ending, or more correctly, of the good catastrophe, the sudden joyous turn, for there's no true end to any fairy tale. This joy, which is one of the things which fairy stories can produce supremely well, is not essentially escapist nor fugitive. In its fairy tale or other world setting, it is a sudden and miraculous grace, never to be counted on to recur. It does not deny the existence of discatastrophe, of sorrow and failure. The possibility of these is necessary to the joy of deliverance. It denies, in the face of much evidence, if you will, universal final defeat, and insofar is evangelium, giving a fleeting glimpse of joy, joy beyond the walls of the world, poignant as grief. Wow. So... That is why the eagles always show up in the nick of time. <laughs> <laughs> because they have to. Because there is no such thing as the final defeat. Yeah, he's yeah, he's like, that's not what fantasy... That's not how he saw fantasy being. Like, yeah. Which they I think is interesting. can't lose. Yeah. Or else it would not be that kind of story. Yeah. Otherwise, like then that. it... Yeah. I like that. That's really interesting. And it's a different... It's interesting to think about that as like a different uh, philosophy. And I thought about it. And then I, I sort of skimmed this essay. He has a long, like, 40-page super academic essay about, like, the history of fairy tales and fairy stories and, like, their relationship to children and adults and something. It was pretty interesting. But at the end, he, like, ties it up all in, like, his Christian faith. Like, because the story of Jesus Christ is a you catastrophe. Like, we were all saved as humanity by the grace of God. Therefore, these stories, like human stories, will always have that sort of element to it, where like we will all be saved by the grace of God, which I thought, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. And if you want to tie it back to uh, Brandon Sanderson's worldview, yeah, I was just about to say, like, oh yeah, of course the good guys are going to win and everything's going to be fine, because like that's the worldview. So right. I, I thought that was an interesting little connection. The that is an interesting connection, and the, you know the. The chief difference of between the two of them being J.R.R. Tolkien is a much better writer than yeah. Brandon Sanderson is. <laughs> like the yeah, the charm of the Hobbit of his little interjections is like charming. Brandon Sanderson's little Ooh. interjections are, uh, shall we say, not charming. No, yes, yes. Let's not mince words. We're gonna call them not charming. <laughs> um, so you know anyway. uh, the 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 dwarves. They eventually get into the mountain. Uh, Bilbo shines light on the door, reveals yep. the key. Big crack. Uh, Bilbo has another sort of riddle conversation, but this time with a dragon. Because uh, uh, Bilbo surmises in the moment that you can't be honest to a dragon. Or no, it's because he's heard stories that like if you talk to a dragon, you can't just be like, hey, my name's Rick and this is what I do for work. You got to be like cool. About it. You got to like be cool when you talk to a dragon. You, you can't give a dragon your resume with all your PII on it, right? No, no. You got to give, you got to be like vague on a resume. You got to get them to like ask questions about you. I am the Ukrainian sender of emails. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Sender of emails. <laughs> Sender of electronic mail. <laughs> so Bilbo, uh, he steals a big cup from Smaug. And then Smog's like, I'm gonna go kill a bunch of human beings. <laughs> I'm gonna go commit. I'm gonna go commit a horrible atrocity on this town. But thank God. And it's be and it's because he surmised that the humans helped. Oh the yes, dwarves, yes, right. Yeah, which is true, but not maybe to the extent that Smog thinks, which is that the humans have actually like gone up to the mountain and assisted the dwarves like that. They really just gave them like ponies and. Mm-hmm. sent them on their way the poor ponies what's the pony death count in the, these books you know they, i don't they know they go but... through a lot of ponies and then they get you know ponies become like bill the pony in fellowship of the ring like they, they're like very stout creatures in these books but sometimes they just get kind of fucked up i think it's yeah, because they, it's not as like four sets of ponies yeah. there's 14 because because if it was like an adult book being like, and the horses all died, you'd be like, oh no, but like a pony, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's sad, <laughs> but you know, that's not as sad. Oh, an, an important thing is Bilbo's like, I've heard that dragons are invincible, especially on their tummies, and Smaug rolls over and he's like, yep, all natural, baby, and Bilbo <laughs> notices a big, just like, Zelda boss uh, hit right here. <laughs> And and he and he, uh, he he clicks uh, R three and then can auto target onto it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and Bilbo goes outside and he's like, oh, "I didn't learn anything except that for his big weakness." And there's like this bird there's who's a bird like listening. Oh. <laughs> yeah, there's a bird who's listening. And Bilbo's so pissed off, he's throwing rocks at the bird. <laughs> and Balin's like, "Can you please stop doing that? It's like a thing. It can like think. It's not just like a bird." And he's like, "I'm just, whatever. <laughs> I'm just pissed." Uh, but uh, Smaug. Uh, leaves and he's going to f- he's going to go fuck up Lake Town, and the dwarves and Bilbo are they're all exploring the the dragon's horde and they're like boy we haven't heard from Smaug in a couple days yeah they're there for, they're like du- they're like D and D dungeon crawling for a couple of days they like do a long rest in a in a cave they do they actually do, <laughs> and they do wake a long up rest. and they're like I guess Smaug's not back yeah well, we're, and they're we're just lucky, like exploring and then the narrator is like you're probably wondering where Smaug is huh. <laughs> Well, uh, Smog is dead. <laughs> yeah, so Smog, uh, he he goes to Lake Town, and he starts fucking it up. But the 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 people of Lake Town are very prepared. Um, yes, they like they have, they have a bunch of buckets of water, and it's described as as soon as Smog like does a bunch of fire, everyone's standing right there with buckets and like puts it out right away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that like happens a couple times. Yeah, it's a pretty funny visual. It's like, I guess Smaug is not the best at breathing fire. He <laughs> breathes like fire, a... but then there's like 300 people just waiting with bucket water. Like, <laughs> <laughs> super quick. But eventually, yeah, they over... the Smaug's fire breath overwhelms the town and it goes up in flames. And all hope and, seems uh, lost, but... But Bard, who's fresh out of arrows, except for the one... Except for uh, the dragon slayer badass arrow. arrow. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm, I've been saving this one for a special occasion. Maybe I should use it now. A little bird, a little birdie, literally tells him that uh, Smaug is weak to Dragon Slayer arrows. <laughs> so, In this one spot that you can lock yeah. onto, and so. <laughs> So Barda, he bosses up, man, and all it takes is that's a one-hit kill, brother. 100 experience points, and he <laughs> he goes down to the inky depths, and Smaug is dead. That's all it took. Smaug yeah. died. But that's not really what the story's about. No, okay, no, no, no. whatever. Yeah. It's not really about Smog. Uh, so Smog dies, and then, uh, and then literally, this is an example of the townspeople being easily swayed. Uh, Bard is like, 
I think I'm going to restart uh, the city of Dale, which was like a city of men right below the mountain. And people are like, yeah, we love Bard. Yeah, we should go do that. And the master's like, I actually think this is all Thorin Oakenshield's fault. And all the townspeople are like, let's go fucking kill Thorin Oakenshield. <laughs> like, that's seriously all it takes. Um, and word gets out that Smaug is dead. And the elves are like, oh shit, Smaug's dead. Maybe that means we can get some gold. And then they're like, oh no, the dwarves are hoarding all the gold, not on our watch. So the men and the and the elves team up, and that's two of the five armies. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, back in the mountain, Thorin and company. Do they? Is this when they send a message to like the Thorin's cousin of the dwarves to be like, hey, Smaug's yeah, dead. Yeah, yeah. Can you bring Dang. your army down here? Yeah, and now we have three armies on the yep. on the march. Army of dwarves, army of elves, and army of men. The army of men. I mean, I guess it's an army. It's probably like fifteen guys. Like <laughs> Lake Town's. I don't know, like fifteen guys, but whatever. Army of men. Well, and I like this. I really like this part of. I think the whole sequence of they get to the mountain. They realize they'd not thought that far ahead. And Bill was like, what's the plan? And they're like, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> we didn't think we'd get this far. Like, you didn't have a plan for the dragon? Yeah. It's very good. It's very uh, funny. And then he leaves. And they're like, all right, let's go check it out. And then dies off screen. And then I, I think I, I really love the plot point of, oh, the dragon guarding all the treasure is dead. And everyone hears about it. So everyone's like. There's a big unguarded treasure now. <laughs> and yeah. so they all like beeline to it. I think that's really cool. And then the dwarves are all there and you're like, fuck, there's all these armies going to get like, how right, are they going to yeah. protect all this gold? I love that it ends up being Smaug was maybe one of the least of their worries. It was, it was like, uh, or like, like a fake problem. Like it, it is yeah. act, like he's actually guarding like his absence is almost more of a problem for them than like his presence. Yeah. Um, okay, so this is... I want to talk about this now, because this is this is an important part, and if you are aware of this in the, in the history of Tolkien and the history of dwarves specifically, um, and we didn't talk about it, I feel like that would not be um, appropriate, because it is important. I have uh, notes here about it. Just let me pull it up. Um, okay, so uh, the dwarves in this book have gotten... Um, have come under scrutiny, and specifically J.R.R. Tolkien, for being um, Jewish stereotypes. Mm. Uh, they they have... So, you are not... If you have thought that, you are not the only person to have thought that. There are um, are many articles written. Um, it, people have tried to explain it away in, in such a thing like, oh, J.R.R. Tolkien was was friends with a bunch of Jews, and he was like just <laughs> sort of like making fun of worked, them, and, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. He was like friends with them, and and was just like ribbing them and and, and joking with them. Uh, uh, it, 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 importantly, it is in this conversation to recognize that J.R.R. Tolkien was. Uh, uh, incredibly anti-Nazi Germany. In fact, a German publisher of The Hobbit once asked him if he was Aryan after reading The Hobbit, and J.R.R. Tolkien went in and rewrote a bunch of it to, to oh, shit. Uh, because he wanted to make it clear. Uh, that rewrite is the book we have today, and there's still stuff in there though that is not great, and and I don't think that's ever going to be to be to be changed. However, later in 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 uh, Tolkien's writing, and we'll talk about this with Gimli. Gimli is not 
like this at all. And Gimli is not. I'm, I'm getting a lot of this, a lot of this language from uh, from an article. I just want to make that clear mm-hmm. that that I was reading by somebody named uh, Matthew Willis called J.R.R. Tolkien's Jewish Dwarves. The people of Middle Earth weren't just a product of Tolkien's creative mind. They were shaped by the anti-Jewish culture that surrounded him. And at the end of this article, uh, which is really good, you should you should read it. Um, he. J.R.R. Tolkien has had like a cultural imaginary of the Jewish person. And this is me talking. I think he thought that that was sort of funny. Mm. Um, It, of course, wasn't funny and it's not okay to think it was funny. But I think him being an affluent British author who I'm sure like he was like oh the Jews isn't that funny like they they love uh, they love he like thought the stereotypes were funny after World War II. He saw how that stereotype could be distorted and made into something altogether like mythologized about a group of people and used for something as bad as the Holocaust. And Tolkien is is really resolute that the that the uh, trilogy is not about World War II. His rewriting of the dwarves in The Lord of the Rings is important because they become through Gimli way more heroic and self-sacrificing mm. and way less obsessed with like um mo- like money and gold and there aren't a bunch of and things of that. obsessed with gold right yeah <laughs> and 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 they're not like they don't have a bunch of the harmful stereotypes that the dwarves have in the hobbit which is like they're not really going to help unless there's something in it for them too <laughs> it's like there's a lot of stuff like that in this yeah. book but gimli isn't like that at all and gimli is not portrayed as an outlier he mm. is like the most representative of that and i like that this this uh there's somebody um uh Gosh, let me find it because this this person uh, quotes somebody else uh, named Brackman. I can't find it exactly in the article, but Brackman suggests that the rewrite might have had a tinge of guilt under it as he realized that the tying together of unpleasant stereotypes about Jews and his depiction of the dwarves drew on beliefs that could have horrifying consequences for the real people so perceived. And the author of the article finishes it off with saying, and maybe like a provincial hobbit, Tolkien could learn and change in the wider world, which, of course there's literal physical evidence that that is what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that's important to talk about because I certainly didn't notice it when I was a kid and have was reading this book. I did notice it this time. Um, huh, and so I just wanted to make that clear. my mind. Which, that's super interesting. But what I think what did, what I think is interesting to point out, and I was going to bring this up to the end, but this seems like a really good segue. Like it, even though it's a kid's book, it still like doesn't, and like that the whole dwarf thing aside like it doesn't really escape the the sort of colonialist posh british values yeah definitely you know whereas like you know with bilbo is like like the lives of hobbits is very much framed as like the ideal for humans which is to have an english country home and no one has to work and like that's a very specific worldview to have and similarly with you know the treatment of goblins (laughs) they're all bad and it is good that they are all wiped out at the end of this book you know like it still has that the the D problem you know because D comes from this of like oh the whole species or race is the same you know yeah yeah for sure which is like you know necessary like it's it's a children's book but also i think you know that's 
important to point out and the going off of that i mean the the ideal of men is portrayed as being very similar to the idea of deal of elves which is similar to being portrayed as the ideal of like the hobbits which is this like you are at one with nature and mm-hmm. the other are people who are not at one with nature and in this book the dwarves are presented as the other because they're not mm-hmm. at one with nature they like mine and and destroy rock and stuff <laughs> and the goblins build <laughs> right cars yeah. or whatever yes, yes. <laughs> they built a lot of things that have given us a whole heck of a lot of trouble uh <laughs> like trolleys and, that, and yeah. <laughs> the iron railroad and i think that that idea of like i think tolkien's idea of nature also changes like the 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 dwarves are the the dwarves and the elves not liking each other in the lord of the rings comes off a lot more of just like it's just like funny like like mm. there's like there's like lore reasons <laughs> but but like in the in the in the context of the book it's like the short stocky warrior doesn't get along with the tall like sure. beautiful like right who's like or who's like he's a bow and arrow and like oh i'm not gonna go in there and get dirty and the dwarf's like no we're gonna like hack him to bits and it's and like be... it's like based in character it's not like racially charged <laughs> yeah which is different than this like we we have uh i i don't know i just think that that's a that's an interesting thing that i feel like people don't really always talk about when they talk about the lord of the rings so well and i think we can talk about this now too where i when i was in college i like read a bunch i was an english major <laughs> now i have a book podcast <laughs> <laughs> uh i ended up reading a lot of or taking a lot of classes where i read a lot of like medieval epics and oh, like oh yeah, yeah some yeah. like norse mythology stuff and like the same sort of like there I was I was in classes with like a bunch of grad students who were really into Tolkien and they were in this subject because they liked Lord of the Rings. I never read Lord of the Rings like, you know, you know, Celtic mythology and all that stuff. And I think it's interesting and then like the Grimm's fairy tales we like would read and analyze and the interesting thing about the Hobbit is that it feels like like Beowulf like that world like someone like he took a fairy tale and like plop pasted it onto this Beowulf old Norse world which like is inherently very simple and I think it's really cool to read this having read those things because even like the tone or the sentence structure reads a lot like those sorts of translations where it's like oh a character appears in one sentence or like this character is son of son of blank who oh yeah yeah that's everywhere whose shield is called this and like those like that sort of phrasing or styling is like directly lifted from these original source materials which i thought was really cool yeah and then there is like the it's 13 dwarves on a little adventure like that's just a fairy tale yeah i mean this is uh i feel you know it's funny i feel like we've stumbled upon a a really good stopping point and yet we have not actually finished talking about the book um (laughs) i'm just very quickly i mean it doesn't really we've we've talked about all the important like allegory and stuff already but Mm -hmm. bilbo and bilbo and the crew are are present for a huge uh battle where 
like literally all the book frames it like all of goblin kind has been wiped out well so we we only <laughs> talked about three armies so we have oh, the I'm humans sorry. we yeah, have the elves yeah. we have the dwarves and then they're all about to fight each other because Thorin, okay, you you were going to talk about like the gold sickness. So like, as soon as they right, get right, as soon as Smaug is dead and Bilbo and all his dwarf friends are in the uh, mountain with all the gold, um, Thorin like loses his mind and goes crazy and doesn't want to give up any of the gold. And so like the humans come and he's like, "Hey, so I killed that dragon for you. Can we have a tiny bit of gold?" Yeah, one fourteen. Like, <laughs> and Thorin's like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> My cousin's gonna be here soon. <laughs> and he's gonna kick your sorry ass. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, Bilbo steals the Arkenstone, which is the only thing that Thorin wants, and gives it to the men and the elves as like a bargaining chip. And Thorin almost throttles Bilbo. Yeah, he almost throws him right off of the fucking wall. And Gandalf's uh, back. Yeah, Gandalf's back, and he's like, I took care of that necromancer business, I'm here for this now. <laughs> Good thing we'll never have to worry about that necromancer again. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they're all about to go to the go to bat. They're literally, like, fight. Like, arrows have already been shot or, and are in the air when, like, a big scary swarm of evil bats shows up. <laughs> and then Gandalf's like, um, I think we should maybe focus on this instead. <laughs> um, the goblins are here. <laughs> Didn't that just happen? And it is literally all the goblins in the world. Yeah. Yeah. All the goblins of the north and the wargs, the final mm -hmm. two armies, uh, have arrived to form the Battle of Five Armies, for which uh, <laughs> Bilbo is invisible the whole time, which is pretty funny. And then he gets hit in the head and gets knocked <laughs> unconscious for the rest of the time. And then they don't find his body because he's invisible. And so <laughs> they, like, had been searching the area forever. And then Bilbo, like, wakes up and takes it off. And then somebody sees him and is like, where the fuck did you come from? Yeah, the, We've been looking for you. The order of events is the battle begins. Bilbo is like, this is the most horrible thing I've seen in my entire life. He gets hit in the head and goes unconscious. <laughs> then he wakes up and everyone's like, Oh, the battle's over. <laughs> yep. And Thorne's hey, been stabbed hey, 28 Th times. <laughs> Thorne's on his deathbed. And the narrator's, narrator's like, you're probably wondering um, how that battle went. That's also very, very like old Norse fairy yeah, tale. Yeah. Like weird flashbacks of like, you would never write anything modern <laughs> this way. No. Like it's like, it's like the author having too much fun I know with, yeah like the telling of the tale which doesn't I feel like doesn't really happen anymore because like people would be annoyed at the author for doing something like this but I think in the in sort of that old epic northern European style like this was a common thing like oh it's just the storyteller having a little bit of fun with this thing you wanted to know yeah which I like in the especially in this I think it's I think it's yeah, funny it and it's effective well. but sadly Thorin Oakenshield dies from his injuries. Which I was, I forgot happened. I was like, what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thorin yeah. dies? Yeah, Thorin dies and Feely and Keeley die too because they were protecting him. Which, ne I don't know why, it never fails to make me a little bit emotional. <laughs> like, the fact that it's described as like, Thorin gets stabbed and all the dwarves just like surround him and are just mm -hmm. like, we're just gonna die and we're not gonna Aww. let them... 
touch. And then Bjorn is like, I'll take it from here. And he's like a 30 foot tall bear and fucks everybody up. <laughs> it should really be the battle of the six armies because it, the book makes it sound like they, nobody would have won if it not for Bayorn. He well, fucks eagles, everybody the up. The eagles show up too. So it's the battle of seven armies. But yeah, it's true. Also, the eagles are there. So the eagles, the eagles are the sixth army and Bjorn is his own army. Yep. But yeah, so, I mean, they're all dead. Uh, Bilbo's like, I don't really want any of this money anymore. Like, I don't even know how I'm going to carry it home. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so he just gets a little bit of money in two chests, and, and him and Gandalf hit the road. And, and we get we get a really sort of lovely, like, hey, remember that? Remember, <laughs> remember this part of the book? And it was so much safer because all the goblins were dead. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, it's the it's the back again part of the novel, mm-hmm. uh, and they stay and they stay at Bjorn's Airbnb for a couple days. Yep, they do, and and then I like how the 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 narrator's like, you know, some of Bjorn's kids were real fucking pieces of shit, but most of them were good. I was like, what? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, they stay with Bjorn for a couple of days. The the Thranduil, the Elf King, is like, you should come to Mirkwood, and they're like, I'd rather kill myself and stuff with Mirkwood one more time. <laughs> no. Oh, just going back, uh, Gandalf has a cast on his arm. Uh, when, yeah, uh, he has a sling, and then Bilbo, Bilbo sees Gandalf with a sling on his arm. That's like, wow. Like, and he's like, wow, I guess no one really escaped this battle unscathed. And I'm like, what was he doing that he, like, <laughs> did, like strained his shoulder? <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, they get, they get through Mirkwood. They pass back through the Misty Mountains. They hang out with Elrond for a little bit. Uh, and then they get back to Hobbiton and uh, the, the Bag End, and they fucking having a fucking home auction because they thought Bilbo Baggins was dead. He was I totally gone for forgot a year. about this. Is this was so funny? I was like, yeah. oh my god, <laughs> it's the perfect way to end the book. Is he I shows know. up and like his family members he doesn't like are like trying to take his spoons, and he's like, what the fuck. <laughs> it's the day they're auctioning all off all his stuff because he's presumed dead because he's been gone for more than a year. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, brother. And then it's like he has to spend his newfound dragon gold getting all his spoons back from his yep. family. And then uh, Balin and Gan- uh, some time passes and Balin and Gandalf show up and they're like, oh, we, we went on quite an adventure, didn't we? Then the book ends. And that's it. The end. Hobbit lived. <laughs> Hobbit. I called him Hobbit again. <laughs> Hobbit lives again. Hobbit-, <laughs> Hobbit lives a happily ever after. Hobbit ring made it home. <laughs> Calling him Hobbit is pretty funny. I don't know. I've never had that issue. I know his name is Bilbo. It's Martin Freeman. Uh, yeah, it's Martin. Yeah, the titular Martin. Freeman. The movie's the, called Martin Freeman. The titular Martin Freeman. Martin Freeman as Hobbit. <laughs> oh man. Oh, good stuff. Good, good stuff. Good book, huh? Yeah. I was. I think. I mean, if you don't like this book, I don't know what to tell you. Not that I think you'd be wrong, but, you know, I think you figure out pretty quickly if this sort of shit's not for you. Yeah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think even, like, there's some, like, whimsy in here where I feel like if you read this and you're like, ugh, I hate it, I'd be like, you need to grow up, get over yourself a little bit. There's, I think there'd be something you would like. Like, I, I haven't read Lord of the Rings. I could imagine someone starting lord of the rings and being like i do not like this and no. that seemed that seeming to be fair whereas like yeah. hobbit like there's if you read this there's probably something you like 
And I, I felt like, I think the true power of this book is that it does make you feel like a kid again. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and I had that experience when I read it for the first time in high school, and I had that exact same experience reading it now. And I don't think, like, you know, we're, you're not going to read any, like, I guess I haven't read a YA book, but I can't imagine, like, The Hunger Games is going to make me feel like a kid again. <laughs> or, yeah, because, the, cause you know, like, the, I think the Hunger Games is is good uh, is a good YA novel. It's just like that is dealing with like more adult. Like this really feels like such like a like a fair. It it feels like a real fairy tale, which is like in the lore in the lore of the this universe. This really did happen. Mm-hmm. Like in it's like an hour time. This is a piece like, of history that for, really yeah, happened. And like it is a kids book, but it's not like for kids. It's like kids. No. It's the way that, like, I guess a good comparison would be, like, Hayao Miyazaki films, like Spirited Away yeah, and, yeah. like, Howl's Moving Castle. Like, kids can watch that and adults can watch that. And it sort of evokes that same sort of joy and wonder without, you know, sacrificing for accessibility, but also not shying away from some important or intense things while also not, like, wallowing in violence or anything, you know? Yeah, it's like, it's like, uh, yeah, that's a really good those movie that's a really good comparison or it's like a modern or it's like up, you know. It's yeah, it's like, like a Pixar it, movie. Yeah, like a really good Pixar movie like yeah. an up or like Monsters a, Inc or Finding yeah, Nemo yeah, exactly. or something. Yeah, like Finding Nemo where where it's so obviously a kids movie, but when you watch it like if you have kids and you watch that it's like oh my god you're like it's such like a much more heart-pounding adventure than being like oh a kid and i'm lost it's like no you're an adult and you've lost your child like imagine how that fucking feels yeah there's like something there for everyone to enjoy yeah and this book and reading the hobbit like made me want to have a child and read them the hobbit like reading this time around like that was such a strong urge and i remember reading this book and and really like wanting to go on an adventure like i remember that feeling so well and now reading it now i'm like i have i have gone on adventure since then and (laughs) for now i think i'm okay (laughs) just (laughs) sitting at home and like i love i don't know i love that like yeah hey that's the power of books man it's a great just feel yeah it's just a great you should read it because it's you know you know like no one's gonna die but like thorin died and like you know and it was emotional but it was mostly off screen <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was mostly off screen and bilbo got time to grieve it and it was all sort of okay and he went home and a little goofy thing happened like yeah yeah you know. yeah the moment where bilbo he dies and bilbo just like sits outside the tent and is like weeping i was like oh my god come on man <laughs> tearjerker and i gotta tell you the tone of this book uh the difference is fucking crazy between this and yeah. the next one. <laughs> I'm excited to get into the tone because I have no idea what I'm in for because I've never yeah. read. That's I exciting. read this book before like 10 years ago, but I have not read a single word of well, if you The Lord of the there, Rings. If you were reading The Hobbit and you ever said to yourself, God, I wish there were more songs in this, I got good news. <laughs> There's a we lot We didn't talk more. about the songs. We now, did not talk Mac, about the songs. Mac, I'm sure you read every line of every song, right? I do. <laughs> I sure actually? do. Yes, I do. I tried. I think I. I think I solidly read most of the first couple, and then ever since I was in middle school, 
I skim the songs. I just skim no, the songs. No, I read the songs every time. Because I have, uh, and this is, uh, you know, it's a thank God I'm already in a in a healthy, committed relationship. <laughs> I have my own uh, melody for all the songs, too. <laughs> all the songs? In The Hobbit, at least. I can't, okay. I can't say that for crazy. the That's crazy. Well, they all fit like a sort of meter, and I just they like have, have a rhyme. different thing. Yeah. And, and, and some of them... I, I, I have stolen, obviously, from the, the Hobbit uh, movie. Uh, the one I sang at the beginning of this podcast mm-hmm. is the best the best one ever. The, the Far Misty Over Mountain, the Misty yeah. Mountains Old. Dude, that song fucking rules. So you're telling me you have a, a built-in melody for Clap, Snap, The Black, Crack, Grip, Grab. Yes, I love that one. Snap, That's my favorite one. And down, down to Goblin Town you go, my yeah. lad. I... I love that one. That's my favorite one. It's that one and the Misty Mountains one because I just love the idea of, like, the way Tolkien uses song, like, it's always so happy that when you find out, like, the bad guys also sing, you're like, no! (laughs) (laughs) Nothing is sacred! There's uh there's some Danilo, Danilo I, this is not a spoiler for me to for me to tell you you have seen the movies of the Lord of the Rings. Yes, uh, that's true. Boromir still dies in the book. Uh but there is maybe the saddest song of all time following the, oh, no. the death of Boromir. I'm going to um, skim it. I think, I'm gonna skim. <laughs> I think uh no I won't skim. It. I I think it might be they're described as singing in songs but to read them as poems not yeah, like and sure, to imagine them sure. as like them singing i think does uh does help um but i i don't know i love the songs and i wish they were in the movies more hey you know we don't have to uh, wade through any crazy epigraphs in oh uh, these books so i guess i can read a song or two there's just great uh chapter titles the lost art of actually naming your chapters i this is my big thing for books. Yeah. I fucking love it when chapters have actual names. I love it. It's my favorite I thing. I didn't think about that. I can't think of another book that I've read recently that's like for adults that has had It's not. Yeah, names. it doesn't exist anymore. I mean, like a game of, a song of ice and fire has the names of the characters, but yeah, I mean, that even, count. that's even, like, no. That, that's just uh, who's talking. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, imagine like uh, Hemingway doing chapter titles. I don't think, I don't think so. I don't think everybody does. I can't actually remember off the top of my head, but I don't no, think there's so. There's no way. There's no one no old man in the sea where he's like the fish or something. <laughs> the sea the old the man the sea, the sea. The old. <laughs> All right everybody. Thanks for listening to the Hardcover Hooligans podcast. You can follow us at Hardcover Hooligans Instagram, uh Facebook, and uh keep keep your eyes peeled for the on the old TikTok. Uh, we might have some content coming there soon. If you've heard our takes and you've been like, God, I wish I could put uh, a face to the voice. Well, well, I, let's just say that, uh, that day it may might come. not be too long. That day may come and it may be glorious. Well, if you liked, uh, if you like this show, please tell your friends and family members uh, and leave us a review. And Mac, I don't know about you, but um, this book has really inspired me to auction off all my parents stuff the next time they're on vacation oh yeah well i'm gonna yeah i'm, I'm definitely gonna try to move in and like when they come home be like measuring where i'm gonna put my couch and all that kind of thing and after i've already <laughs> bought all their furniture i'm gonna make them pay me to give it back <laughs> and i mean this has will go unsaid but all their spoons are gonna be gone of course and if you, listen, listener, if you've also never read uh, any of the Lord of the Rings, let's just say it's not the last we see of the Sackville Bagginses. 
Uh, Nerd. <laughs> well, hey, man, you're the one who was fucking trying to convince me a year ago that fucking, what is it, Adium was cool or that Tin Towers were... Oh, that was a different person. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> he died. He, he died, died in a... He was di- he, well, he died there and back again. It's your own there and back again. <laughs> oh, I was I was thinking, Oh, uh, should we have some sort of rating system for the podcast? Oh, sure. Like, would we rate yeah. books? I was thinking it might be funny to rate books in Mistborns. Oh, <laughs> that's great. But, but it's inverted. It's reverse. <laughs> so it's the fewer Mistborns, the better the book is. That's awesome. I would give this book... Uh, what is it out of five or out of ten or out I of think, however many? I think it's like it can, we can go like the worse the book is, the more Mistborns we give it. I think I only give this uh, one Mistborn in that it is also a young adult novel. That's the only part of this that reminded me of Mistborn, which is pretty mm, good. I give this half of a Mistborn mm, for the same reason. Yeah, for like you know, it's old. I don't know. Sure, sure. Yeah, there's some there's. It's there's stereo like there's a bunch of stereotypes in it. Right, right, and all these boring songs, man. <laughs> <laughs> God, the Mistborn songs, man. The worst part. 